I knew, like I said before, the eyes never lie. And any time I looked into that man's eyes, I saw fear. I saw glass. So I anticipated he would not show up. And when he got his opportunity to pull, he pulled. So it's something I expected. But I, there... I don't, I don't blame the man. I was going to fucking butcher him. With him limb from limb. So I probably wouldn't want to face that either. So it is what it is. Uh, not, not, not one uh, thought. The, the approach for me was I came in and I told them that I was going to destroy everyone in the division. One by one, I would get every single one of them. I said that time and time again. It, does not, it was never about the champion. It was never about any of that. It was about me destroying every single one of these featherweights and essentially making it a one-man uh, division. So it doesn't matter what way it happens, whether it's Jose, Forrest, Chad, Forrest. They're all going to get it. Every single one of them are going to get it. I've been preparing for Conor McGregor since the first time I've seen this dude fight in the UFC. This is a guy that I knew was, uh, you know, he's going to talk his way up to the top. You know, he'd be every person they put in front of him. Uh, you know, this is time for me to get in there and do, you know, what I've trained for my entire life, and that's become the champion. It's the radio. It's the, it's the radio. Sucker, sucker radio. It's the radio. It's the, it's the radio. Sucker, sucker radio. It's the radio, it's the, it's the radio, sucker, sucker radio. Come and listen, it's about that time. Yes, download the show where you can stream online. It's the radio. Welcome back to another edition of Sucker Radio here on MMASucker.com, as well as Last Word on Sports.com. If you don't know LastWordOnSports.com, I highly suggest checking them out. They feature not only mixed martial arts, but all sports. Um, yesterday, July 1st, free agency frenzy in the NHL. And guess what? You can check that out over there as well. Along with that, they have some other great mixed martial arts podcasts for your listening pleasure. The Parting Shot with James Lynch and Carlin Bardsley. Uh, Carlin has another podcast over there, Standing 8 Count with uh, Sean W. Smith. And of course, Hammer Radio, um, a great show that you can check out over at lastwordonsports.com. I'm your host, Jeremy Brand. I should have said that right off the hop. And I got a wicked show for you this week. Uh, Joining me a little later is Alan Joban, who will be fighting at UFC Fight Night 71 in San Diego. He takes on, oh man, I don't know. I don't really like it. But he takes on our local boy, Matt Dwyer. You know, I've seen this guy right from his very first amateur fight here in British Columbia on the BC scene. Uh, Went up through Battlefield Fight League rankings, fought some UFC vets, and finally made his debut inside the Octagon. He's 1-1 inside there with a fantastic performance in his last outing, a Superman punch. So it's going to be interesting to see him against my guest later on, Alan Joban. The big, big, big news of the week... Jose Aldo pulls out. Conor McGregor will now take on Chad Mendes for the interim title. I'm not going to talk about that much right now. I'll talk about that with my first guest, um, Nick Baldwin from MMAJunior.co. But some other news right off the hop right now. Rashad Evans and Ryan Bader look to be meeting at UFC 192 in Houston. That was announced on UFC Tonight last night. 
Ariel Helwani announced that, and it looks like both men are very interested in this, and it's a fight that Rashad Evans wants for his return. But now is the boy wonder himself, the man behind, or I should say the boy behind, MMAJunior.co, and uh, one of my hardest workers over at MMASucka.com, Nick Baldwin, is stopping by to discuss this past weekend's UFC Fight Night 70 event, as well as some of the news from this week. Nick, thanks for stopping by, man. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me on the show. This is the first time, correct? It is. I I had my interview with Patrick Cote on Saturday Radio back, I believe, in September, but this is the time. This is the first time I'm a guest on the show, I guess you could say. Yeah, you've upped your game since then. Indeed. <laughs> better better interview skills, better microphone, just all around better. I totally agree. And uh, like just even earlier this year, late last year, I was using my laptop microphone for interviews and I couldn't figure out why uh, the quality was awful. And uh, I, I had an expensive mic by then, but uh, you know what happened. Obviously, we talked about that. And uh, But it's all figured out. I hope my voice is relatively clear and clearer than it was anyways. And uh, yeah. <laughs> Not much you can do. I mean, the, the, mic, it, the mic stands for itself. It, it sounds great. And, and I remember saying to you earlier this week in, in a chat that we had on, on Facebook that it seems like you've been 14 forever, but forever. It, it's your birthday, correct? It is. Today is the day. 15 years old, three away from being an adult. Holy shit. Happy birthday, kid. Thanks. <laughs> Any big plans? Um, We actually... Uh, I'll probably just have... A few friends over later this week or whatever, but uh, just today, my uh, just a few relatives coming over, whatnot, pro- having a barbecue, steak, so it should be good. But um, I'll probably just have like a few friends over later this week or whatever, but nothing really big. Nice. Now I said we were gonna touch on uh, UFC Fight Night seventy, as I know you are a huge Yoel Romero fan. But first, I'd like to talk about um, the UFC Fight Kit unveiling earlier this week. It was. The big Reebok deal, they, they made it out to be much bigger than it actually was. Um, just what were your thoughts on this whole unveiling press conference and, and the fighter clothing that they unveiled at this press conference? Well, obviously most people don't like it. The fighters, even media are kind of just saying it's not as good as they're making it out to be. And there, there's so many just flukes in the whole system really and really things they just have to fix out and I just don't look at the Reebok deal as a whole I don't look at the UFC fight kit is what they're branding it as as a huge deal sure these guys are now walking out in Reebok gear they have their name on it but this whole Reebok deal was about coming out walking out with Reebok being sponsored by Reebok and being customized having your your colors having whatever you want on your shirt on your pants on anything really on your shoes but really all it has is for the uh, universal branch what the, whatever they're calling for just regular fighters not the country branch not the champions branch which which is a little more customized customizable but um overall it's not too custom really whatsoever it has your name on it but that's about it yeah and big UFC letters across the chest I mean I know guys are gonna try and do what they can to promote this gear because they're gonna be getting a percentage of it but deep down inside they gotta wish 
that they could come out to what they want to be wearing. I know er, a couple days ago or yesterday or whenever you're listening to this show, you had Brad Pickett on your show. And this is a guy that said he wished he could come out with the custom gear that he's wearing all the time, correct? Exactly. Like with his uh, fedora hat, all his very cool clothes that he usually walks out with. I know sometimes he's being uh, shown with suspenders on. He's being all these different interesting vests all these different shirts that not many people wear it's unique to him it's what he is who he is and he what he told me was basically he's turned down sponsorships sponsorships in the past just so he could wear what he wants to wear his hat his uh unique clothing whatever he's turned down money so he would be more personal personal than other people and so that's pretty big. Now he's not going to be allowed to wear those, at least as far as he knows, as far as we know. He's going to be wearing UFC. He's going to be wearing Reebok. He's not going to be wearing a hat. I asked him if he's been in touch with Reebok, if he's going to try and get a branded Reebok hat. I asked him half as a joke, but seriously, he really could do that. He should try, but um, it doesn't look like that is possible really, but um. I don't know, it's just not looking too good, especially for fighters that really want to be custom, want to be themselves. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, as you said, it's not customizable, it's not really unique, other than the champion stuff, which, as well, and the country stuff, isn't really all that new, unique, other than different colors from the rest of the stuff. Exactly, and all the, the UFC logo is like the same on a bunch on the universal ones. It's just a big UFC logo. Then you have your Reebok marks in the corner and uh, it's not different. Really? Everyone still looks the same. Sure. Uh, Fabricio Verdum is wearing green and then Jose Aldo is wearing what another color. And then so-and-so is wearing another color, but who cares? It, it, it still looks the same when you're all together. The color isn't a huge thing. It's the design of it. It's where the logos are. It's where your name is. It's all the same. For sure. Now, this, I mean, if it was customizable, guys like Brad Pickett could have a Reebok shirt that had drawn or painted or however you do it, suspenders on the shirt. I mean, it it could look really cool. And what I think would be preferred by most UFC fighters is if they could bring to Reebok, hey, I want to wear this sort of clothes. I want to wear this type of shirt. And then can you find me something like this, like the same type of shirt yeah. and just put a Reebok logo on it, paint it on, sew it on, whatever they do, and then make it a Reebok clothes, but make it the type of shirt I want to wear rather than just a regular shirt that everyone's going to be wearing. For sure. All right, moving away from this, this wasn't the only big news of the week. In fact, there was much bigger news on Tuesday, Tuesday evening to be precise. It was announced that Jose Aldo has pulled out of UFC 189, and Conor McGregor will now fight Chad Mendes for the interim title. What are your thoughts? Wait, what? Yes, sir. All right, I'll go with it. So Conor McGregor is now fighting Chad Money Mendes for the interim featherweight title. And uh, interim title-wise, I don't think it should be for the interim title because Jose Aldo, he did fight Chad Money Mendes just last October in the main event of UFC 179. Dominic Cruz was out for years, and I'm not sure when Henry Morrell was crowned the interim title. And first off, I don't really like interim titles, to be honest, but Cain Velasquez was out since October 2013, 
And I, I do think if he pulled out of his fight last a month at UFC 188 with the now champion Verdum, I do think if he pulled out of that, he would have been, or Verdum would have been promoted to the undisputed champion. He was already the interim t- title holder. But I don't know. I just don't like that they're putting McGregor against Mendes for the interim title because it's not like Aldo has been out for two years with several injuries. He's been hurt one time really since his last fight. Yeah, and I I mean, I've been the guy that's kept saying that even if Jose Aldo pulls out, they need to keep Conor McGregor on this card. I said this on the solo episode this past week, and I truly believe that this needed to happen. I'm glad they didn't put Frankie Edgar in against uh, Conor McGregor because that would have killed the two guys that they want to be at top. At the top, I believe putting Chad Mendes in this fight is is going to be very interesting because McGregor hasn't been tested inside the octagon against a wrestler, so this will be a true test to prove whether he is really the number one contender because this is just an interim title. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Obviously, McGregor's opponents have been very nitpicked over his few his couple of years with the promotion. Of course, he's never fought a very good wrestler in his five UFC bouts. Of course, he fought Dustin Poirier, who's great at a stand-up. And then you've, he has his wins against Max Holloway, who is now a top uh, featherweight fighter. But at the time, he was a prelim fighter, non-ranked. But um, he's never fought a Chad Mendes. He's never fought a Frankie Edgar. He's never even fought a Ricardo Lamas for that. And we'll, we will really see if he can prevent himself from being taken down or, if he does, how he will do off his back. Conor McGregor is going to have some serious words about this whole thing. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I don't know. It's just going to be interesting. We'll have to see what happens on July 11th. See, now this sort of, this gets to me because I think now that this has happened, yes, Conor McGregor is the big man behind UFC 189, but do you not feel like Robbie Lawler should be promoted to the main event status? Should Robbie Lawler versus Rory McDonald be promoted to main event? Yes, but I, I, I know why they aren't doing that. Because first off, Jose Aldo versus Conor McGregor, the only reason that was the main event was because of the Irishman. Jose Aldo does not sell pay-per-views. He is one of the most dominant, if maybe he is the most dominant current UFC champion. Of course, I would probably rank John Jones ahead of him, but he's not the champ right now. He has his stuff to take care of. But Jose Aldo is the pound-for-pound king right now. And it, it's just life. He does not sell pay-per-views, and he is not the reason. He is not the star of UFC 189. He is not the guy that's going to sell UFC 189 to casual fans even. It's Conor McGregor. And so Conor McGregor versus anyone is bigger than Jose Aldo versus Chad Mendes, Jose Aldo versus Ricardo Lamas. It, Agreed. Just, yep. It, they're, they're, like, of course, I'd like to see Jose Aldo sell more. But he just doesn't. He is one of the best. But he does not sell pay-per-views. It's Conor McGregor. This fight might have helped him sell pay-per-views had he won. I, I totally agree. This was going to be his biggest payday no matter what. Like, obviously, I don't know exactly what he's making, what he would have made. But I can say 100% for sure he was going to make the most he's ever had in a fight against Conor McGregor. And now he's out with a fractured rib. All right. 
The whole reason why I had you on the show was to talk about this past weekend's fight card, UFC Fight Night 70. Your man, Yoel Romero, obliterating Lyoto Machida. It was a fantastic fight, actually, leading up to the knockout. They, uh, you know, they played it safe. They both threw almost exactly the same style punches and kicks throughout the entire fight up until a big takedown by Romero who finished it off with some nasty, nasty elbows. Just talk about the fight for me. Yoel Romero is a freaking killer. He, he is so good, and so many people doubted Yoel Romero, but now he is number three in the middleweight division. He has earned himself a UFC title fight against Chris Weidman, but so has Luke Rockhold, so has Jacare Souza. Rockhold will be fighting Weidman for the belt next, and personally, I think Romero should fight Jacare in a number one contenders fight, but for the fight... Obviously, it was a close fight leading up to that takedown. I, I scored both rounds, in my opinion, for UL Romero. But um, obviously, you can't argue if Lyoto Machida took one round and it was tied going into the third round or whatever. But um, Romero looked very good in that fight. And uh, there, there's nothing else to call him except the beast. This is a guy that you've had some serious stock behind for quite some time, eh? I've been very high on the Soldier of God, really, like, ever since I saw him first, really, when I started watching UFC fights, and uh, I really did see him as a top contender in the near future, and what is he now? The number three middleweight. The Soldier of God. Talk, let's talk about his post-fight speech. Um, oh what was it? Some of it wasn't very understandable. A lot of it got misinterpreted. Um, some people thought he said, for gay Jesus. Um, others think he said, forget Jesus people. Um, I, I don't, I, I'm not going to claim to say what exactly he said because no one actually knows exactly what he said and, and whether it was misinterpreted or misstrewed or whatnot. But what were your thoughts when you heard exactly what he said? Well, I'll, I'll just say now, I, I, I really doubt that he was saying for gay Jesus, he'd be, that would just be absolutely stupid coming off the biggest win of your career and then going out there and talking about gay rights, gay marriage, whatnot. But, um, Yoel Romero, he was basically, he just went on a rant saying, USA, why are you forgetting Jesus? Why are so many people becoming atheists? This is my understanding anyways. And he, obviously he's really religious. We got, we get that his nickname is the soldier of God for crying out loud. But, um, <laughs> I don't know, like Dana White said in an interview, USC President Dana White said in an interview following the fight that he wasn't upset at Romero, of course, because Dana White doesn't think he said was, he was talking about gay rights and whatnot, but it's not really the time. In the post-fight interview, fans want to hear about the fight. What What are your thoughts on beating the former UFC light heavyweight champion? Or, yeah, former UFC light yep. heavyweight champion. Yep. That's a big accomplishment, the biggest win of his career for sure. And then Romero goes on a rant about religion. No one really wants to hear that other than hardcore religious people, really. All right, Nick. That about does it for us here. I don't care to talk about anything else on UFC Fight Night 70. There were some great performances, but all I wanted to talk to you about was Yoel Romero. We got your opinions on that. We also spoke about the Reebok deal and Jose Aldo, unfortunately, pulling out of the fight. So with that... That's the end of this. Just let people know where they can get a hold of you in social media. And if you have any big things going on with MMAJunior.co or anything else in the coming week. 
So yeah, first off, thanks for having me on the show, Jeremy. I really appreciate it. You can find me on Twitter at NickUFC. You can check out my website, MMA Junior at MMAJunior.co.co, not .com. Make sure to check out my weekly podcast, MMA Junior Radio. Episodes drop every Wednesday. And uh, so just yesterday, we had Brad Pickett on the show, like we mentioned earlier on. He talks about his fight with Thomas Almeida at UFC 189. He talks about the Reebok deal a little bit, of course, not being able to wear his hats and whatnot, like we mentioned. And then, of course, his uh, what he loves to do in his spare time, Clash of Clans. We talk about that for a little bit. <laughs> and uh, nothing too much really coming up, but uh, just check me out on Twitter. I love to talk to MMA fans, talk about MMA. And uh, yeah, that's about it. Thanks a lot, Nick. Uh, enjoy UFC 189, um, if you can. Yeah, I'm going to be away, but uh, hopefully I'll be able to catch that for sure. This man is set to take on one of our local kids, British Columbia's own Matt Dwyer at UFC Fight Night 71. Please welcome Alan Joban back to Sucker Radio. Alan, thanks for joining me again, man. Yes, sir, man. Good to be back. Now, a few things I want to touch on before we get to that fight. Um... One thing you spoke to me the last time we 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 spoke was before your Richard Walsh fight. Um, mm-hmm. You said you needed to, you know, you might need some therapy because you know you you like to get into wars before you actually finish the fights. Um, this fight was finished in two minutes and nineteen seconds, so you didn't take a heck of a lot of punishment. Actually, you didn't take much punishment at all. Um, what was the mindset after this fight? Did you did you feel like you did everything according to plan? Did it go the way you wanted to, where you didn't have to get hit to be woken up? <laughs> yeah, I didn't know where you were going with that at first about how I need some therapy. Um, <laughs> yeah, I remember. I think I remember this conversation. Yeah, that's the thing, man. Like all my fights, I kept having this thing where it, it took me kind of getting hit to kind of snap out of it. You know, almost to get get angry in a way. Um, and, um, you know, I think, I think what it was with this fight with Richard Walsh is um, it was so much emotion, man, so much emotion and adrenaline involved. Um, you know, fighting at the Staples Center, the biggest, the biggest uh, arena I've ever fought in, you know, n- nearly 20,000 people out there. And then uh, being a pay-per-view card, me bumped up to the main event. All those things involved, you know, a lot of my family flew in. And another thing that, that, that for me was, you know, it was like every day when I would drive – it's Black House. So I go to Black House. I would take the 110 freeway there. I take about an hour drive to drive to my gym every day. And every day I pass right next to the Sable Center. So it was a visual for me. And, 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 and fighters, as you probably have heard from a lot of them, are big on visualization. You know, you need to visualize the face of your opponent sometimes. You need to visualize the fight over and over. And to me, being able to just drive by the Sable Center, it gave me that visual. And like I, I, I was, in, in a way, I was able to kind of uh, get in touch with the emotions almost every time I drove by the, the Staples Center, I would look at it and get those emotions inside of me and those jitters and imagine myself fighting and talking to Joe Rogan. And I think that was part of it. <laughs> by the time I got inside the octagon that night, I was, I usually, a lot of times I remember, I remember when Bruce Buffer is announcing my name and I do little things like I'm aware, I'm aware of walking back and forth in front of my banner because I want to make sure television sees all of my sponsors on my banner yeah a little thing that i'm very aware of i don't remember any of that that night i don't remember him calling my name i don't remember coming into the cage i don't remember anything uh it was kind of a blur and i think it was just emotions and drilling took over and when it was time to go man i just you know i went and um and, and you know i kind of went out 
shot out like a rocket and landed that elbow and it ended up being um, a quick night for me. So do you feel like you left the octagon a different fighter than you entered it? I mean, will you be entering this fight July 15th a completely different fighter than, than the past few fights? Well, I hope. I hope that with every fight I'm able to gain a little more experience and knowledge. And, and you know, it, it's a tricky thing with being a fighter, I find, because sometimes you think, okay, you know, I need to go to this dark place or I need to go through this routine to, to get mentally prepared. And you kind of get comfortable or you rely on doing that. But also what happens is with experience, the more you fight, the more experience you get. So sometimes you don't get as nervous. You know what I mean? You don't, you don't need to do certain things. Sometimes you don't, you're still getting jitters, but not quite as much. And it's just become, because you're becoming more uh, uh, comfortable with the situation. So I find that almost every fight, my emotions and my mindset change a little bit. And I like to think that it's, it's mainly uh, an experience factor. The more comfortable I'm getting in front of the media, the more comfortable I'm getting walking out, knowing that there's millions of people watching. And I'm not putting that pressure on myself about the millions of people watching. I'm thinking about, let me get this victory and everything else will paying itself out. So I'm hoping that with every fight, to answer your question, that I am a different fighter this fight, and it's, and it's more of an, uh, on a term of being more experienced. For sure. Now, you were expected to face Brian Ebersol following that fight. Um, you pulled out due to injury. This fight is taking place just one month after that one. Obviously, it wasn't a major injury that you pulled out due to. Yeah, it was, uh, it was just bursitis in my elbow, which... Um, a lot of uh, fighters are probably familiar with. I've had it numerous times in my career. If anyone has never heard of it, bursitis is pretty much you have a bursa sac in each of your elbows, in numerous spots of your body, but the bursa and the elbows are the ones that rupture the most from elbowing or from getting dropped really hard on the elbow. And usually you just drain them, kind of, you treat them kind of like a cauliflower ear. You stick needles in them and you drain them. And um, my elbow was a little bit messed up going into that fight. And then with the, the hard elbow that I landed, uh, on Richard that night, it, it demolished through the, re- the remainder of my bursa. And then I had very, very severe bursitis. And I tried to go back to training um, a couple weeks after that fight to get ready for the Brian Arbasol fight in New Orleans. And it just wasn't happening. I mean, anytime my elbow touched the mat, it was severe pain. And it said it's swelling to the point where I couldn't even drain it. I would drain it, and then it would fill right back up with fluid. So I got to the point where I couldn't even bend my arm um, like a week into the into the camp. Um, wow. So I, I think I got to the point where I couldn't really bend my arm all the way anymore, and it was so severe that, you know, even sleeping at night became painful. Um, the surgeon said, you know, he, he opted that the best thing to do is just remove it. It's, it's kind of beyond repair. And at that point, I knew there's no way I can go through it. You know, I, the fighter in me was pissed off. I got into a, a major argument with the surgeon, and it was just a fighter in me. It was me saying, you know, look, 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 I have a fight scheduled in two months. I can't have surgery. What do we do to fix it? And we got into it, man. But, you know, after a little bit of time, I calmed down and I realized there's no way I can go through an eight-week camp of grueling the two-a-day sessions if I can't even, you know, I can't even wash my face because my arm doesn't bend right now. So, yeah, yeah you know, manager and my surgeon kind of looked out for me and we decided let's just have the surgery push you back a little bit. And it's only about a six-week recovery, six- to eight-week recovery, so it wasn't too bad. And, um, yeah, man, now I'm fighting a month later and um I'm, uh, I'm I'm thrilled to, to be getting back in there, to be honest. Are you worried about throwing elbows anymore? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I, I, it, it's in your head, but, um, you know, I've just been – I'm not. I'm not. You know, in the fight, I'm definitely not going to hold back. If there's an elbow opportunity, you can make sure I'll be throwing an elbow. But in practice, it's something that, like, 
I've just been doing everything I'm supposed to do and just being safe about it. You know what I mean? Well, but, yeah, especially uh, like what you said earlier, the the entire last fight was a blur. So I'm sure if you're in the cage, you're not going to see whether you're throwing elbows or not. The thing's going to be a blur. You're going to be in there. You're going to be throwing whatever you can. Absolutely. And even if my elbow does open, like I've already told myself, look, if my elbow opens up and it's tight, it opens up. I'm getting the win. This fight, no matter what, I'm not going to be, if they have to stitch it up after they stitch it up. So um, that's not going to be an issue in my mind come fight night for sure. Now this fight, Matt Dwyer, this is this is something you and your team have wanted. I, I, I know you posted on social media that you wanted to fight Dwyer. He had that big Superman punch finish in his last fight. What is it about this guy that made you want to take this fight? Because... Notably, I mean, I know him because he's from the local scene up here in Vancouver, Canada, but he's he's not a big name in the UFC yet. He's only had two fights. He had the big flashy knockout. You're definitely a guy who has a bigger name than he does because of the RFA and all that other stuff. Um, but what is it that made you want to fight Matt Dwyer? Yeah, I mean, I agree with pretty much everything he said. For me, it was it was it was it was pretty simple. So after the Brian Ebersol fight couldn't happen, I had my surgery. I called my manager and I said, look, if it's only a six to eight week recovery, let's get on this now. Let's not wait two months for my injury to recover and then have to wait another two months for my fight to, my fight to happen. Let's, let's figure out who and where we're fighting or whatever, and that way I'll have that focus. My manager knows me really well, and he knows that like I need a, fo- I need a target. I need a goal. I don't like sitting around and idle. So I told him I want, I want to figure out what's next, and it'll give me a reason to focus. So... He said, okay, well, look, I'm going to look up guys that need fights right now that in, you know, in the welterweight division that are coming off of a win, and, and I'll look up a bunch of names and send them to you, and that way we can at least see what options are out there, what possibilities there, there, there might be for you know, your next fight. And uh, he sent me like 10 guys, and uh, Matt Dwyer was the first guy on the list. So I, I watched his fight, and I said, you know what? This guy, style, stylistically, I like the fight. He's got eight knockouts. I've got eight knockouts with both knee fights. We're both coming off of pretty impressive wins. Let's do this. So um, it just made sense to me. You know, I didn't even, I didn't even, I looked at maybe two or three more fights, uh, two or three more other guys on this list. But I said, look, let's just do this. If this guy doesn't need, doesn't have a fight and he's looking for a fight, I need a fight. We both have eight knockouts. Let's do it, man. So <laughs> I pretty much kind of called him out on Twitter. Yeah. And uh, again, it wasn't like in a disrespectful way. I, I'm not that type of guy. You know what I mean? Like I just, I just was taking initiative, you know, I was, you know, trying to control my own career. You know what I mean? I didn't want to wait four or five months for a fight. I said, let's get this, let's try to lock down a date and a fight now. And then that way I could go through my physical therapy with a goal in mind. So we did that, man. We, we kind of hit up the UFC and said, look, you know, I'll fight any of these guys, Matt Dwyer being the first guy on the list. And look, there's a card on July 15th. I'll be ready to fight by then. Let me know if, you know, what you guys want to do. And I kind of did, I tweeted Matt, you know, saying let's fight. And, uh, yeah, everything kind of came together, and that's the fight we got, so I was happy with it. And he took the fight, which is great, because, as I said, you are, for him, it's a big-name opponent. You know what I mean? Like, he's taking a fight, and, and this this definitely pushes him further up the ladder than it does for you with a win, I believe. I think so. I think so. So, I mean, it could be looked at as a risk in some way, but like, at the same time, uh, you know, we're both coming off of wins, and uh, I might be a little bit more household names than he is in, in terms of, you know, at least here in, in the States or whatever. But uh, all in all, I still only have three fights in the UFC. He yeah. has two, and we're both kind of off, coming off of wins. And so, um, you know, we're both pretty much strikers at heart. I, I see he, he, he takes guys down a lot, of, a lot of times if they're hurt or if he's hurt. 
but all in all, he's got he's got every one of his wins come by knockout, I believe. And uh, I've had eight knockouts as well. And I'm just like, you know what? Let's just let's just make this easy. Let's just go in here and do this. You know, it's not going to be complicated. We both need to fight. We both like to knock guys out. Let's go, you know, give fans a good fight. For sure. Now let's move away from this. Uh, I just wanted to ask you something here that you might not get asked a heck of a lot. You've been in the sport for quite some time. You fought for RFA. You fought for shark fights. You fought for Tachi Palace. And now you're in the UFC. Mm-hmm. Give me three things that you would tell to someone who's just getting into the sport um, as words of advice. Um, well, I, I would say that you mentioned it in one of them, uh, the RFA. I think that fighting in the regional, fighting in the regional leagues is necessary. That's what you have to do. Everybody goes through it. But if you're able to jump to a somewhat of a feeder organization to the USC, like an RFA or like a legacy, or like a, a maximum fighting championship there in Canada, um, I would jump to the opportunity because those are, that's your college right there before you, you go out and, get, and experience your career. You know, you're going to get used to uh, doing interviews like this. You're going to get used to fighting on, on, on live TV. You're going to get used to fighting in front of bigger audiences and getting that exposure. And, 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 and not only that, but they really help build your brand and, and, and establish you. Before the RFA, I was just a guy fighting in the regional circuit that a couple of people thought, you know, this guy could be something one day. But the RFA really kind of molded me into like a name on Access TV. Like people knew me. They made me a kind of like an, a star on Access TV. And I credit, I credit them for that, man. You know, whenever that, I had a fight and they would put me on their commercials and, 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 and you've got Michael Chavello calling your fights and Pat Militage, you know, it kind of familiarizes you with the MMA community. So going into the UFC was a smooth transition. Plus, I already had somewhat of a brand to kind of go there with. So, yeah, that, that, that I think, is um, it's not cru- it's not crucial to your career. You see other guys do it all the time. They skip that, 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 that feeder organization. But if you do have the opportunity to do it, I would definitely take it. And, and not to mention, you're also stepping up in, 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 in opponents as well. You know, every guy I fought in the RFA, my first guy I fought in RFA was a UFC vet. You know what I mean? So it's like it gives you that experience of fighting guys on that UFC type yeah, level. Yeah, yeah. You know, they're not the cream of the crop just yet, but it gives you the experience of fighting those experienced guys. Now, I have to ask, earlier this week, um, the UFC fight kit was unveiled, the Reebok fight kit. Um, you spoke about walking in front of your banner because you wanted your sponsors to be seen. What are your initial thoughts on, on what you saw when the unveiling happened? Uh, you mean as far as the clothes and the kits and everything? Yes. Uh, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm, I still have a little mixed feelings on this. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta really go and I want to see what, what my kit looks like. I want to see what my clothes look like and stuff. Overall, the general look that I saw, I really, I really was let down a little bit. I mean, I'll be honest, man. I've been trying to bite my tongue about the Reebok deal because obviously I'm trying to become a Reebok sponsored athlete as well one day. So I'm trying to play this smart and not do any stupid tweets like you see a lot of fighters doing. Yeah. But um, but in the meetings that we went there and, and we spoke to the UFC and we spoke with Reebok, they really, really ensured us that like, they were like, look, we've got some of the best designers. We've got fighters working on, on hand with this. So we're mixing people, you know, we're mixing fighters with designers and, 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 and people that do this for a living. And we're going to make you guys look like warriors, like modern-day gladiators with this clothes. I mean, like, and it really painted a picture in my head of something a little bit different. And as far as what I saw today on Instagram from the, the unveiling, 
I wasn't that impressed, man. I really, I really wasn't digging the huge UFC across the chest with the color pattern, the, the color schemes and stuff. So you got to see, man. I saw a couple of them that I liked, but I think those were only for the champions. I think the champions, if you're a champion in UFC, I think you get like the, your own color pattern and like a lot. The ones that I saw that were like black and grays, I really like those. But a lot of the ones that I saw that had a lot of white in them and things. Um, I wasn't that impressed. So we're going to see, man. Like once, once they show me everything I'm wearing and whatnot, then um, I'll be able to have a better picture. But I really didn't see like what the shorts look like that much as well. Like, because um, we had the options of, you know, do we want, you know, Valley Tudo style or do we want, you know, normal board shorts yeah. and slits. And I'd like to really see what the actual fight shorts look like because pretty much what I saw were kind of like walkout shirts which I didn't really love. So, um, it's <laughs> Fair enough. It's kind of um, suspect right now. All right, one last thing. You spoke about champions having the different kits. Well, in a couple weeks' time here, we've got the champion of your division stepping inside the octagon to take on Rory McDonald. How do you see that fight playing out? Do you think we will see a new champion leave the cage, or do you think Robbie Lawler will defend his title? Man, I mean, this is a close fight. They already fought once before, and it was a close fight. And um, I look at it. I, I really, I really see Robbie still being able to edge us out, only because of the experience. After he after he fought Rory McDonald, who went out there and got even more impressive looking with his bouts. You know what I mean? And 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 he's, and, and, and the uh, the title fights that he had with uh, with Henderson um, with Big Rig. I mean, he did what was two, two five-minute, two five-five-round, yeah, two five-round fights. Excuse me, um, and it's just so much experience, man. I mean, he's been in there just for killers and stuff. And and Rory is a guy that he's just another one that's a killer. But I kind of still give the edge to um, to the champ right now. Um, we'll have to see, man. It'll be, a good, it'll be a good fight either way. But I give the champ the edge. He is Alan Joban. He takes on Matt Dwyer July 15th at UFC Fight Night 71. Alan, it's been a pleasure, man. Thanks for your time. The floor is yours right now. Just let people know where they can get a hold of you in the social media universe. Any of those last sponsors you want to give shout-outs to and, and, and anything else you've got going on. Yeah, thanks so much, man. Uh, yeah, check this out, guys. I, I, just, I just got my new website up. If you want to give it a look, it's sick, man. It's sick. I'm uh, I'm really impressed by it. It's alan-joban.com, alan-joban.com. And even more than that, I have a webisode that just released. It's uh, kind of like a weekly webisode. We're releasing about one episode a week. We just did the, the introduction, the intro episode last week, and we're probably going to release the next episode tomorrow. It's called The Brahma Series, The Brahma, Brahma being my, my nickname. Um, check it out, man. If you enjoy the countdown, or if you, furthermore, if you enjoy like UFC embedded, a lot, a little bit of a look behind the scenes and inside, where you can see a lot more in depth about what fighters go through, and it's very short, only about three minutes long. That's so you're not sitting there for 45 minutes listening to some guy talk on and on. It's very short <laughs> with a lot of great footage. Check it out, the Brahma series. Uh, I've been releasing it on social media. I'm blown away by it. I hope you guys enjoy it too. Get a chance, check it out. All the best, Alan, and good luck in a couple weeks' time, man. Thank you, brother. That does it for another awesome edition of Sucker Radio here on MMASucker.com. And as always, last word on sports.com. Make sure you head on over to Last Word on Sports to check out all of your sporting needs on the interwebs. Thank you to my sponsors, ProAmBelts.com. If you're looking to walk around like a champion does... 
If you need some flashy gold or silver to walk around this summer with, have your pecs standing out with your belt around your waist, check out ProAmBelts.com. They've got all the goods for your championship belt needs. I am Jeremy Brand. You can check me out on Twitter at JeremyBrand604. Make sure you check out MMA Sucka on Twitter at MMA Sucka. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash MMA Sucka. Um, you can check out this show everywhere podcasts are heard. iTunes, Stitcher, um, everywhere. MMASucka.com, lastwordonsports.com, and whoever else picks it up. With that, I'm out.